And welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today is kind of dope because you're beginning to see a lot of political ads. And one that captivated the attention of the entire country is my good friend, Chris Jones, who is running for governor of the great state of Arkansas. Now, it is considered right. the great state. Y'all don't call it, yourself like the great republic or no, uh, no. The, the it is the great state. <laughs> the the, the state. commonwealth thereof. Okay. Right, right, the, right. <laughs> the great state. Look, my brothers, I'm happy to have you here. We start each one of yeah. our episodes by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And yours includes academia, economic development, the pulpit, and now your campaign for governor. Talk me through each step in your career arc since you left Morehouse. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, first of all, it's, it's always great to be in conversation uh, with brothers. So I uh, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate your voice and what you do. Um, you know, my my journey after Morehouse uh, went straight to MIT, but I want to want to back up a little bit and and just say that you know, for me, you know, my life's journey really started at eight years old um, during the Challenger accident. I don't know if you you remember that, but uh, Ron McNair and Christopher McCullough were on the Challenger space shuttle that blew up, and mm-hmm. I was in the third grade. And during that year, we learned a lot about space. And so, at eight, I decided, hey, I want to go to MIT because Ron McNair went there and I want to become an astronaut. So a lot of my life's journey was was to take that path. Now, also at eight, uh, I had the pleasure of bumping into then Governor Bill Clinton in the mall. Mm. Uh, My dad brought me to the mall from a a small town called Pine Bluff to Little Rock. And I was fascinated by Bill Clinton. I asked my dad, what does he do? He said, he's a governor. And I said, well, dad, what's the governor? He said, "Uh, let's go look it up. So we went to the Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) <laughs> Looked it up and found out that a governor could, you, you laugh because you remember, a uh, governor could make a difference in people's lives and could could solve problems. So my journey, the seeds of my journey started there because at eight, I said, I want to be governor. I want to come back home and serve as governor. That took me from when I left Morehouse. Uh, now, if I fast forward, um, I went to MIT and got three degrees, nuclear engineering, uh, technology and policy. And after those two, and then a PhD in urban planning. After my two master's degrees, I taught high school because I always wanted to, to take time to give back uh, and serve on the front line. That's why I taught high school. And my wife's an ER doc. She's a Howard grad and a Harvard med grad. And then after teaching high school, I, I became assistant dean. That's the time in academia. So I was assistant dean at MIT for 10 years. But here's the deal. All the while, we were working in the community uh, in Boston and really making a difference as a volunteer. Uh, and in that transition period or in that period, I had the opportunity to actually serve the organization I was volunteering for as executive director. And this is one of the one of the oldest community based organizations in the country, Dudley Street Neighborhood Initiative. So did that management consulting. But here, my heart was always back at home uh, and brought myself back home and ran the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub when I was here. Yeah, man. Long journey. I mean, that's a long journey. And the fact that you you snuck in two degrees from MIT. Uh-huh. <laughs> three, 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 three. Three degrees from it. What's the third one? You mentioned two. And then you got, so, where, where'd you get your urban planning? That's your doctorate? From, from MIT, yeah. My PhD is from MIT, yeah. So you two graduate degrees and one PhD from MIT. Yes, sir. Man, you just like school. That's all that was. <laughs> That's all that was. <laughs> Let's talk about your campaign for a bit. For First, yeah, for people who don't know much about Arkansas, can you break down the different parts of the state? And at a yeah, high man. level, tell us where Democrats are in Arkansas and what the path to victory looks like for you. Yeah, Arkansas is a really phenomenal place in that we have uh, very distinct regions. You know, if you look at the northwestern part of the state, that's the Ozarks. 
Yep. Okay. Okay. So you think of the show Ozarks. Actually, part of the show was filmed there. Um, very mountainous, uh, hilly, beautiful. That's Walmart country. That's where you have a high concentration of, of the wealthier folks in the state. Uh, Walmart has transformed that region over the last few decades. Uh, but you also have J.B. Hunt and Tyson. So there's industry up there from that perspective. But then if you move to the central part of the state, that's where you have your political juice. And that's in Little Rock. So Little Rock, the capital, is in the central part of the state. Um, and it's sort of your normal quasi-urban area. Uh, but the, the fascinating parts, and this is where we, we think about how we win this race, where we really start to open things up. The, the, along the Mississippi River mm -hmm. and in South Arkansas, that's where traditionally you had a lot of farmland. And when I say farmland, I'm talking plantations, agriculture. <laughs> okay. right? Like my family's been in Arkansas for over 200 years. And so I could trace my, I trace my roots actually back to the foster plantation in South Arkansas. So you have a lot of agriculture in those areas. And then the last piece, uh, which is key, and I'll, I'll tell you how we break it down, is what is super rural um, hill country. And that's in North Central Arkansas, and West Arkansas. So you got about five regions. Um, now, the way we've broken it down is there are 28 counties that we're calling the Black Belt counties. Okay. Now, the average uh, African-American population in Arkansas is about, well, not the average, the African-American population in Arkansas is about 16.5%. In these 28 counties, it is at least 25%. So there are some counties that have 75% African-American population. These counties represent 300,000 people who could have voted last cycle but didn't. Now, for context, Arkansas has 3 million people. And last cycle, a million people total could have voted but didn't. Let me ask you this question. Let me chime in just quickly because it kind of leads into my, my train of thought here. Because the challenge for, for Democrats to get elected in most southern states, but in particular Arkansas, is that you have to boost turnout in your strongholds, but also not lose in the suburbs and rural areas as badly as Democrats have. Is this, and my question would be, how do you intend to reach those suburban rural voters? But is this how you intend to offset some of those rural voters who, who may be more inclined to vote for your opponent? Yeah, you know, I love that question. Um, and it really gets to our three-part strategy. You know, the first part is the 28 Black Belt counties, which is energizing, galvanizing. So we show up at churches, we show up at barbecues, family reunions. I've got a lineup of family reunions that we're going to be at uh, over the course of the summer. Um, but then it's shoring up our base, right, which is what you're talking about, kind of the, the traditional vote that comes out. And for us, it's about, about 400,000 folks who voted for Biden. Those are our traditional base in central Arkansas and Northwest. How do you do that? You show up at uh, book clubs, you know, mm -hmm. you, you show up at uh, events and things, you know, your standard practices. And then the third piece, which is also critical, and again, I'm glad you brought it up, is that's when we talk about the hill country, north central Arkansas, that would traditionally be the Sarah vote. And what, what Terry McCullough didn't do, and I, we learned, we tried to watch other races and learn from them. You notice that Terry McCullough actually lost more in some counties than he should have. Yeah, that's the, yep. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we're doing is we're showing up in the Harrison, Arkansas, which used to be a sundown town and was the birthplace of the Klan. We're showing up in Madison County, where the, the white population is 99.99%, and, and places where, that Trump won overwhelmingly. Now, interestingly, we're showing up to make sure that the few Democrats that are there actually know who I am and will vote for me. 
But it turns out in our conversations with everyone that there are Trump voters, there are Republicans who are saying, I want something different. Mm-hmm. You know, they were turned off by January 6th. They're turned off by the fact that Sarah doesn't show up. They're turned off by the fact that she hasn't worked and hasn't really done anything on the ground and she's ignoring folks. So that opens up an opportunity as well. You just drop Sarah in there like people know who this is. So I introduce individuals to, to who you who you running against. Yeah, man, I'm running against uh, the former press secretary for uh, the impeached uh, Donald Trump and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Her, She has 100% name recognition here. She was press secretary for Trump. Her dad was governor. And uh, and she made the decision to come back and run for governor of Arkansas. And, you know, it, the signals point to the fact that she's using Arkansas as a stepping stone. So, you know, part of my conversation with folks outside of the state is that, hey, look, uh, if you want to keep her from getting on the national stage, let's, let's put it in the work and stop her now. Let, let's let's talk about your race, though, before we get yeah, we, we don't. Yeah. That's, all, that's all the time I want to spend on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But let's go. talk policy um, for a minute. What's the mm-hmm. Jones plan for education, healthcare, and economic development? And keep it high level, because I mean, you could talk about healthcare. I mean, I know you could talk about economic development in ways that other people can only imagine. Yeah, particularly given my um, my time having run you know, the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub. But, you know, it, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, we know, we believe the key to unlocking Arkansas's potential is spreading PB&J across the state. Now, everybody loves a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to what PB&J means. But let me explain why spreading is important. You know, in a, in a bad sandwich, it's clumped. And the peanut butter's clumped somewhere, jelly's clumped somewhere. You take a bite, and sometimes all you get is dry bread. Well, the places across the state that have been taking bites and all they get, they get are dry bread, particularly in, in the Delta and South Arkansas that I mentioned. In a good sandwich, the peanut butter spread all over and the jelly is layered on top. Well, for us, PB&J is preschool, broadband, and jobs. Preschool, broadband, and jobs. It's high-quality education starting I with like pre-K. That. I like that. You like it? You like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's solid infrastructure starting with broadband. And it's real economic development starting with jobs. PB&J, preschool, broadband, and jobs. We want to spread it everywhere. That's our message. I like that. That's that's what's up. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you a more specific question. Yeah, man. I hope you guys are, are focused on it. I'm sure you are. But you're parents. I know you think a lot about this. But what role do governors play in school safety? Yeah, I think the governors play a you know a big role in school safety. Part of it is, um, you know, and, and you mentioned I'm a parent. I have three girls. 13, 9, and 5, uh, they're, they're in school <laughs> and uh, elementary and middle school. And so I think about their safety a lot. Um, the governor plays a role in ensuring that communities have the resources they need uh, in order to, to be safe. And to me, that includes uh, adequate economic opportunities. Um, it includes certainly adequate safety mechanisms in the school. Uh, it includes pushing for appropriate uh, gun um, legislation. Mm-hmm. So all those things matter in terms of school safety. And, and interestingly, Arkansas had the second non-college school shooting in the country in Jonesboro. So what, and, what, what, tell me what you, you mentioned guns, gun safety. What does that look yeah. like as somebody who has to balance that? You know, I'm a C, I'm a CWP holder. I got my CWP yeah. with Nikki Haley. So I am not, yeah. you know, a, a, um, someone who, um, I don't think people can couch as taking all your guns, but I also yeah. think that you, you know, there's no real reason for anyone under the age of 21 to buy weapons. I'm, you know, right. I'm not sure why you need an AR, but where, where are you on that scale? Look, we're, we're both sons of the South. And so, 
you know, I'm, I'm in the same place. I mean, I'm, I'm a gun owner. My wife's a combat veteran um, in the Air Force. She served in Afghanistan. So I don't have a problem with people owning guns. And, you know, I don't have a problem with people going hunting, uh, using it for their safety. But you you laid out some really key points. I mean, you think about it. Um, when you think about safety, there are gun storage laws that could be put in place that could save children's lives. Uh, there are changes to the age that you mentioned that can save children's lives. Uh, I'm concerned about this issue of ghost guns that yes. are unregulated. Um, yes. And so there are things that we can put in place to address those issues while still allowing people to go hunting and keep their family safe. I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, that's important. I mean, I'm glad that you're thinking that way because it, it, people don't understand all the time the balance that Southern Democrats have yeah. to face where you, yeah. you are being very practical and very real or pragmatic and very real yeah. in your solutions as you go forward. Um, you know what, let, let me, uh, let me, let me nuance that out a little bit more if I could, you know, because I've had the opportunity to live in the inner city. I've also have, I grew up in very rural places, right? So there are some places in Arkansas mm -hmm. where if you call a cop, it'll take an hour and a half for them to get there. An hour and, you know, and you, you know, you know, from your home wow. state, same yeah. thing, right? And so there's no way that I can wait on a cop for my safety. I get that. At the same time, when you think about, um, I reflect on my time having run the Dudley Street Neighborhood Initiative. There was a day when a kid ran in the office shivering and scared. And like, he literally had to go in the room and almost went under, under our table. Why? Because he had just witnessed someone getting shot. And the killer saw him and was chasing him. So the context is different and our conversation has to be nuanced. And actually you can go to our website, chrisforgovernor.com and we talk about having a nuanced and balanced conversation about gun safety and gun responsibility. I mean, I can't wait for that debate between you and uh, Sarah to be saying it's on, um, on, on guns. Uh, that's going to yeah. be fascinating. Sadly. You're also an HBCU grad. So talk to me specifically yeah. about what you'll do to support uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah. There's University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. There's Philander Smith. There's Arkansas Baptist and Shorter College are all, you know, great uh, HBCUs here in the state. I am a proud uh, Maroon Tiger, Morehouse graduate. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Pine Bluff and I understand the foundation that was laid. Um, my, one of my first jobs was selling concessions at the games. You know, I did my first research project on campus at UAPB. Now, I think that that um, historically black colleges and universities have been significantly underfunded and under-resourced uh, over the years. And you can actually look at the data and it shows that even the per capita, per student money that they were supposed to receive, they haven't received it. Um, I also think that the an, an equally important issue is that our historically black colleges and universities are not at the table when decisions are made. But right? and, and so if you change that and you give give them real voice, uh, because they are leaders already and they have, but not, let me rephrase that. If you make space for the voice that they already have, because we're not giving anybody a voice, um, then you'll see pathways of opportunity open up for them. I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you you'll be surprised. I mean, maybe we wouldn't be surprised, but others would be surprised when you just give people the resources, step back and watch them grow. You know, one of the things that's unique about your race, it reminds me a lot of my race for lieutenant governor in, in 2014. And it's kind of cool watching, you know, my race in 2014. And then you had yeah. Andrew and Stacy thereafter. And then you've had people like, you know, Raphael and um, mm -hmm. be able to shatter that glass. And I'm assuming and hopeful that you are next. But yeah. your path to victory will include attracting Republican-leaning voters, including mm -hmm. some Trump voters. What's the profile of a Trump Jones voter? And what's your campaign's plan to target and speak directly to those voters? Yeah. Um, 
and you know, and hats off to you all for kind of paving the way and laying the foundation. Because again, I, you know, as a researcher, I certainly look at those previous races to figure out what what are some lessons learned. The Trump Jones voter uh, actually has a mixed profile. You know, there there are the there are the Trump Jones voters who are your traditional Republican business folks who are saying, you know, wait a minute. Um, I, I attend every chamber meeting. They say to themselves, they attend every chamber meeting. You know, they want to support small and medium and large businesses. And what they find out is that, wait a minute, Chris Jones has actually started businesses. He's helped entrepreneurs. He's worked with chambers. Um, and and he has a plan that will work, will actually expand economic development in places that are needed, that are needed most. So that's one dynamic. The other are the, the disaffected Republicans. You know, those who look at January 6th and they say, OK, that's too much. Right. They, they, they look at the insurrection and, and the attempted overthrow of the, of the of the government. They say, all right, there's a line that that, that I, I can't cross. For example, the former uh, Speaker of the House, who is who is a Republican mm-hmm. and the nephew of the current governor, he left the party after January 6th and became an independent. So there, there are those groups of folks. And then I think the last group of folks are the ones who are saying that I'm actually ready for a, a unified politics, a politics of unity and not a politics of division. Uh, and, and I'm ready to lean in in that space. I think those are the, the broad range of, um, of Trump Jones voters. Just a couple more questions before I let you get yeah, out of here. But yeah, how do you address an issue like inflation? I mean, we know it's not your fault, but at the end of the day, you are going to have to carry some of Joe Biden's baggage, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But how do yeah. you put money back in people's pockets? I mean, I, I have ideas, yeah. but what are you thinking about? Yeah, well, and, I, and I'd love to hear your ideas. Um, you know, I, I do think it's both a short term uh, addressing of the situation and a long term fix. And far too often we ignore the long term. So I'll start with the long term. I think, you know, when we really spread PB&J across the state, that's how we begin to inflation proof our, proof our economy. Because um, right now our economy is such that a $400 bill will will spiral 67% of our Kansans into economic calamity. Uh, and, but then in the short term, in the short term, there are things that we can do, like easing the gas tax. You know, we have a, a fairly high gas tax here that uh, that impacts folks when they go to the gas station. Also, we we took our food grocery tax down to almost zero. But our non-food grocery tax is still high. It's over 5%. So there, you, can do, you can do holidays to ease the pain immediately while you do things that make sure that people are trained for the workforce, that jobs are coming, and that there's real economic opportunity uh, for all. Do you have a gas tax in a- Yep, Arkansas? yep, yep. You know, one, one of the things I would, if I was running for governor of South Carolina, I would suspend that gas tax, yep. actually. Yep. Uh, maybe that's something you can you can consider doing in Arkansas. Giving people relief at the pump is that's it right there. Uh, what people need. Last question for you, man. How can listeners follow and support your campaign, man? Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, folks can um, certainly follow us on Jones for AR on social media. Um, people can check out our website at chrisforgovernor.com. You know, if you're out out of the state, you can still amplify our message and you can donate to the campaign. You know, even a, and you know this better than anyone. Even a small weekly. Uh, donation helps to fuel and the look, campaign. Listen, those things keep your campaign going. That's they gas. Keep it going. That's, 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 it. that's it. Right. That's right there. That's uh, that's that's lunch for those field workers that are out there in the heat. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And um, and then you again, you can amplify our message if you're in the state. You know, certainly check us out. Check our policies out. We we appreciate your vote. 
Chris Jones, man, I love you. I can't wait to come to Little Rock and campaign with you. Man. Come on, I'm, I can't wait. I am there and put me at Philander and Arkansas Pine Bluff. I'm doing all the dirty work for you, man. I there you go. That's what I need. That's what man, I need. Let's Chris do it. Chris Jones, man. thank you for joining the Bukari Sellers podcast, my brother. God bless you.